Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for us at keyword World Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. The Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Well, hello there, Power Partners, and welcome to another installment of Radio's Finest Positive Book Talk, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are the mother-daughter dynamic duo, also known as the Goddess Gals. We are thrilled to be your personal growth success coaches here with you every week on the airwaves, bringing you the authors, the experts, the professionals that enhance and empower you. This program is brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are 501c3 charity and produced by Star Style Productions. Our motto is read, lead, succeed. To be a leader, you must be a reader. Well, we have some really fun and fascinating topics for you today, and we're going to be starting it right off in just a minute here with our Tea for Two segment, where we are talking about Friends with Benefits. So we all know what that means. So this one is is a rather interesting topic. In segment two, you're going to meet celebrated novelist Amy Efron, who has launched her first book of nonfiction called Loose Diamonds. And it is a rather humor, humorous romp through human life and modern life. So you'll enjoy that. And finally, we will be... Uh, having an action-packed adventure thriller in segment three. It is part one of the Element series with author Brandon Montgomery. So sit back, turn up the volume, contact your friends, tell them to listen, and join our party. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions, helping seniors in high school write their college essays. If you or your teen is struggling for the right words for that college app, we can help. We have a 100% batting average of clients getting into the schools of their choice. So Star Style knows how to write. Call 925-377-7827 or uh, email us, Cynthia, at star-style.com. And this is from Benjamin Franklin. Write something worth reading and then 
someone will write what you need to talk about. So write something worth reading because, you know, what is what we have to have something that's worth writing about. Okay, well, Heather, friends with benefits. This is an interesting topic. I, I'm sure that you have a lot to say about this, but we'll just put it out there to our listening audience. You know, I talk to people sometimes, and they are just thinking about having sex with a friend. So is it easy to preserve a friendship once you have crossed that threshold and you have sex? I mean, we can control our feelings, but it's really not so simple because once we've become romantically, re, uh, romantically involved, which happens as a result of having sex, sometimes the friendships don't survive. So this is what Heather and I want to talk about today, give you the pros, the cons, and maybe a few tips. So, Heather, what do you think is the the way to go about this? You know, uh, well, talk to us about topic, it. People, it's a topic, of course, and a thing people have used for so long. And I think on paper it sounds like it's something that could work. Of How about having someone who is your best friend and you get all the things of a friend as well as um, beyond friendship without having to commit to any kind of titles. Um, that person, I mean, there's recently a movie talking about it where it's just more of someone that fulfilling, you know, that, that let-off moment for someone. Um, I think what a lot of people, especially this is coming from a healthcare perspective, I'm not exactly in favor of this kind of point of view. Um, one with the potential of um, there being multiple partners and you know, the risk of STIs. But a lot of times people underestimate um, the power and the intimacy that sexual that sexual activity actually is. Uh, yeah, and, I, you know, I'm going to just jump in there and say something, too, about that, because I, I would say from my perspective is if, I think it's easier, and guys, you can correct me, but I think it's easier for guys to have casual sex, and women say they may want to do that, but the reality is is that most women really do crave a romantic, monogamous relationship. And so what happens if one person falls in love while the other one, usually the man, doesn't want to pursue anything more in the relationship? They just want to keep it platonic and comfortable, you know, and as you said, let off a little steam. So... I guess communication is the key then, right? Yeah, I mean, and in, this is just my own perspective, and I'm not associating any one uh, gender with it to say that more men want this or more women. Uh, I know people uh, both that partake that men that have wanted more of a relationship or women that purely just want casualness. Um, I think what it does eventually, you know, can lead to is when you do share that kind of intimate this, uh, sense with someone, um, over time, stronger feelings can occur, and I think there is that sense that um, if if one person is feeling more stronger than the other, it has the potential to you know ruin this kind of dream image as well as that friendship. Um, we've discussed before of how with a lot of relationships, if something starts off immediately um, from that sexual base, there isn't a lot to go back on. A lot of times, if you build a relationship, then you share that sexual experience, and when it starts kind of in reverse. Sometimes there isn't any substitutes to it, and that's when oftentimes relationships fall apart. So sometimes um, there's that thought that if you already have the substances of friendship and um, adding, you know, a, a casual sexualness to it, um, again, that can be fine and playful when that person's only thinking they're the only ones in that relationship. 
um, it just has such, you know, it's a dependency to end friendships. And so coming from a health side, um, there's just such a high pretense of um, transmission of sexually transmitted infections. Um, planned pregnancy, there's such ramifications of it. And a lot of times when people hear sex, they, we, it's sort of playing the word association. When you hear making love, you think very sweet. When you hear sex, it's sex just sounds like sex. But when it comes down to it, it all is the same. And everyone's takeaway thing is very different from it. Some people have no emotional attachment. Everyone, some people have extreme emotional attachment. So something um, to really consider if someone's thinking that um, they have a friend and if they're thinking they can have this kind of relationship, it's really to sit down and think of the aftermatter. If this was to happen, do you think you truly have stronger feelings for that friend? Do you think what would you do if um, this friend who's just truly your friend um, but you've been having sexual um, encounters with as well, was to tell you now that they had a boyfriend or they had a girlfriend. That's what, what I was going to say is, you know, are you going to keep on dating other people while you're having this friends with benefit, you know, relationship? Because uh, getting to the health ramifications that you were talking about, that endangers everybody because, if if one of the friends is having uh, uh, sexual relations either with strangers or with other people, we don't know what that's happening. And then what happens if one of the people does fall in love? I mean, if you're already really good friends, wouldn't this, it could just very much seal the deal, you know, and help you become closer. So what's going to happen, you know, are you, are you going to get jealous? What happens if you start developing feelings? you got to pay attention to that. You can't ignore it. And you know, what are the reactions going to be? So those are some of the things that I think you have to talk about. I, yeah, and I think and everything really is on the individuals and what the dynamic between someone's friendship is. I think if, someone, if it's something that didn't just spontaneously occur, if it's something that has been thinking about and, you know, a suggestion really to kind of more consider those thoughts of where is this coming from and that possibly if you're having these thoughts that you think you can be um, intimate with your quote-unquote just friend, that there must be more feelings underlying, you know, uh, uh, more than that, more than just the sexual sense to kind of to address that as well and to think, you know, if, if after the sexual encounter, are you able to just remain friends? Are the it's such a whole Yeah, well, you know, what you're saying there is if one of you is developing deeper feelings and the other person isn't returning them, whether it's the male or the female, then what do you do? do you know, is it a best to say, hey, we have to stop doing this friends with, with benefit because I want to protect the friend relationship? I mean, is, is that might be the best thing? Can we just go back to being friends? I mean, sometimes friendships that go from friends to lovers and back to friends can be close because you know each other so well. But the first thing, the first step would be that you really, really have to talk about it and you make a deal that you're not going to do anything to jeopardize your friendship and stick to that. And that also means acting like a friend, not being jealous if, you know, this best friend that you've been telling all your secrets to and all, you know, all your fantasies to, all of a sudden you, you falls in love with somebody else. Are you going to be devastated? I know I would. That would be bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and as I said, it truly is on the individual, but it, that is something, you know, if you have a good friendship with a, really establishing what your boundaries are, if, um, you know, if you're being intimate with someone, you know, is it is it shared, that information is shared between the two of you that 
you know, we are having sex and we are not a couple and that we are truly, we are just friends. Or, you know, is you really have to have it set out so that one person doesn't believe that, you know, now that we've passed this particular threshold that we're, we're slowly on that way to becoming more when the other person isn't doing that. So it's really establishing what you are, you know, the ground rules, the titles, all of that. And in my personal opinion, it sounds pretty crazy and <laughs> pretty good to lay all of that stuff out. So it's really, you know, just going into, is this someone, I mean, are you just basically, is this person your boyfriend or your girlfriend without having that title? You know, what's holding you back from having that? Do you, do you not want that? I'm really just a summary. Yeah, yeah, I agree with friends. you. It may, does it, you know, it reminds me of that new song by Adele where, you know, and I'm blanking on what the name of it is, but I love the song where she's just not over the relationship and he's married somebody else now. And, you know, it, I think that when you are friends or, or you're, and especially if you're intimate as friends, you've already stepped up the relationship to the next level. And it would take somebody that really doesn't have um, a lot of heart or something not to realize that, hey, we are, we're more than friends, you know, and why, if we have so much fun together, if we're so connected, why aren't we just an item? Why can't we just say, hey, I'm your boyfriend, you're my girlfriend, and we'll move on from here? Mm. And I, it's funny when you say things, because I know so many um, male friends who are in similar relationship, relation, friendships like this um, with girls. And I always just wonder, you know, and uh, that would be something, I guess, their psychologists would need to just what holds back um, you know, and this is just from my own thing. Of, I have many guy friends who are in these friendships with other girls. Um, that I wondered that it's this person they hang out with all the time that, you know, really you would consider them almost that person's girlfriend, but yet they don't want a title. They're, no, you know, we're just friends. And, and that kind of gives them that get out of free jail, that, that leeway that they can see other people because there is, you know, this person is not my girlfriend. I'm not entitled just to this person. Um, but I wonder why there is that kind of that disconnect of um, you know, possibly, you know, the fear of being, you know, trapped into a relationship or some that's uh, the infamous, you know, girlfriend. Well, I think you just hit it. I think that there is a, a fear of intimacy or something there. But, you know, I wanted to jump to it to um, go one step further than that and just friends. What about someone who has been married and they're now divorced and but as exes they're kind of they they're on good terms and or maybe they even have kids and it just feels comfortable to get to you know to be together. So sometimes those old friendly romantic feelings might come back. Can they just be uh, revert to friends? How can you make it work with your ex and you know, not get back into that whole, um, well, friends with benefit things. I, you know, I guess you take it slowly. You have to reorganize how you think. But that, to me, I can see why, you know, future wives or future husbands would be concerned. What do you think about those kinds of situations? I, you know, I can't speak on I've never been married. I've never been divorced. My own thing, I'm saying the ground rules. What was the first the reason you got divorced in the first place? I'm, there's many couples that... Truly, um, after divorce, are best friends. They do everything together and in a platonic and appropriate way. Um, and, you know, sort of that realizing that we are just so much better as friends than we are as, you know, married Bob and Joe, you know, Sally and Bob Smith kind of thing. 
um, it's when it comes, I can't touch on marriage because I've never been in that situation, but it's really, I think, everyone of that dynamic of um, what they were, what was the reason they got divorced, and if they are so amicable, if they're having these love feelings, you know, was there just something that went wrong in the original part? What, uh, you know, and, and if they're into a new relationship, of starting to, so that their new person in the relationship feels secure about those friendships, I think exes can definitely be friends. Um, it's just maintaining that level of appropriateness and making that well-known and setting that ground rule as well as making uh, new partners in the relationship. Well, it is time to wrap up our segment here on Friends with Benefits. So if you run into difficulties and really need help sorting out your feelings, you know, seek therapy to repair the friendship and really try to get your life on track and also look at why you're afraid of of developing um, an intimate relationship with someone who you really care about. So, Heather, would you give out the websites, please? Most definitely. You want to go to bethestarur.org, bethestarur.com, as well as comedyclutches.com, both with a K. And when we return from break, we're going to be sharing some funny, true life stories about everyday life with novelist Amy Efron and her first nonfiction book, Loose Diamonds. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And this is Star Style. Be the star you are. Keep it right here because we'll be back. on behind the scenes with your favorite world talk radio show or host for the latest news visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com apathy violence and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country you can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting be the star you are charity a 501c3 that empowers women families and youth through improved literacy positive media and tools for living visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world everyone counts that web address again is www.bethestarur.org be the star you are.org. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Well, every week, Star Style, Be the Star You Are brings you the authors, experts, and professionals who open your eyes, tickle your thoughts with their humor, heart, and wisdom. Amy Efron is the best-selling author of the novels, one Sunday morning in a cup of tea. And you may also know her as the writer for such celebrated media as the Huffington Post, L.A. Times, uh, Vogue, House Beautiful, National Lampoon. She is one of the four sisters of the Efron family of writers and daughter of screenwriters Henry and Phoebe Efron. And today she is with us to talk about her debut nonfiction book. I love it, Loose Diamonds. Welcome, Amy, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you for having me. Well, how fun that you're now writing a nonfiction. It's your first foray, I understand, into actually the book of uh, writing. What made you decide? I mean, obviously, you had some funny stories to tell. 
Now, I wrote a little piece for Vogue that I figured out I could tell my life by Saks, the flagship store in Fifth Avenue, the times in my life when I could afford to shop there and when I couldn't afford to shop there. And when my mother bought me a sort of Dr. Zhivago coat because their life was so dysfunctional, my only address was going to be a boarding school in Woodstock, Vermont. And sometimes I could only stop in to get a lemonade. And then I realized when I had my daughter, one of my sisters sent me a layette from Saks, and that in a way it was a benchmark for me. And when Vogue published it, my editor called me and said, I wish you'd turn this into a book. And I went, mm, I don't know about that. Um, really? And then I got burglarized, as you noticed. Yes, as we read. And I wrote a piece called Loose Diamonds, which I also was, Vogue was kind enough to publish. And I realized that the true value of the jewelry I had wasn't in the pieces themselves. And I didn't have, like, Elizabeth Taylor pieces. I had, like, pieces I collected in my life when gold didn't cost a fortune, but most of them were beautiful. And I didn't really miss them as accessories, although sometimes I do. I really miss them because one of them was given to me by a writer I used to go out with, and he's no longer with us. And that the true value of them was in the memories. And then for me, it started to take shape as a book. And I'm also kind of a period writer, and I was born in Los Angeles and spent some time in New York, and I think that period informs writing. And it was really fun to write about childhood and my friend across the street who collected tropical birds from a kind of childhood 60s perspective and I loved that of- story, Amy, because I have a, I don't have an aviary like that, but I have a big aviary with birds and I'm crazy about it. But the fact of your innocence and being put into this paradise and then to find out actually who he was. And it really shaped a lot of your sensibility for life, didn't it? Having him as your friend. Well, I think he taught me in a way how to see the world. He was quite an extraordinary man. Um, and, I think, you know, he used to show me art books, and he was a world-renowned architect, which I didn't realize. Right, and, and you a, called him Samuel Clemens. You thought, you know, everybody thought he was like Mark Twain. I mean, that was that was very funny how you misunderstood his name. <laughs> right, but he also designed Hollywood Park, which yes. I now understand why there are flamingos in the middle of Hollywood Park. But I wish I could visit your aviary. How much fun. <laughs> well, you know, I want to go back to your childhood because... Uh, obviously you had growing up with parents who were screenwriters and then your mother never allowed anything in a carton on the table. Everything had to be put in lovely, you know, crystal and silver and perfect bowls and egg cups and all of that thing. I know it was almost a disorder. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was like you had this very high society upbringing yet. It was very dysfunctional from what I can gather, and the fact that you really weren't connected because you were gone. You were sent away to school. What did, well, how did that time, feel? By the time she, I mean, the, my mother was quite extraordinary. She was, you know, a writer. She was partners with my father. She had four children, but she also unfortunately had an alcohol problem. And in those days, AA wasn't prevalent. Well, you didn't talk about it either. What? You, you didn't talk about it you if didn't you had talk an about it. And no. in the daytime, everything looked perfect, but at night, things would kind of go a little bit wild. And by the time I was 15, she was sort of in the throes of the last state of, I mean, she died when I was 17. Mm-hmm. And, and so it wasn't, I, I don't think that I was disconnected. What, what's, what is clear about them 
is that there was also a weird kind of coziness. We always had family dinner. We would read poetry at the table. We would, there were many sides to my parents. And at the same time, I'm the youngest, so I did a lot of my own upbringing, sometimes not so well. <laughs> well, I I love your sense of humor, though, which you have throughout the book. You always seem to be able to bring something full circle and find the positive in it. But, you know, the the fact that obviously they, your parents had such an incredible talent for writing and, and creating, which all four of the daughters do, too. You mention your sisters in your book. Are you close today? Did you have a close connection, you know, even despite age well, differences? Well, we things? are very close, actually, although we're not close in years. I mean, right, Nora I, is 14 years older than I am. Yes, but and I mean, so I, I mean we're not, close I mean, connection. By the time I was four, she was at college. But we are very close. In fact, they threw me a big party in New York for Loose Diamonds last week, oh. which was really fun. Oh, congratulations. Thank I you. think there's nothing better than that. No, I, Thank you. you know, Didion came. Everyone almost fainted. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Speaking what, of writers what who inform their work with period, yes. Oh, my. That must have been the greatest party. It was so fun. What, what shoes did you wear? <laughs> I laugh about your your uh, when you talked about shoes in um in in the book too. And we're speaking with Amy Efron and her her newest book is Loose Diamonds and Other Things I've Lost and Found Along the Way. And every chapter is part of her life's true stories and infused with such comical things that happen to you. And and we can all see ourselves in things that happen. So talking about shoes, it was the shoes seemed to be an important issue. For my mother. For your mom, right. Buying expensive shoes. I think you sort of write about that and shoes last for a long time. But I do think the price of shoes has become kind of ridiculous. Yes, and handbags, and handbags. You can and handbags. You can get knockoffs. It's it's still it's it's fine. Right, exactly. (laughs) But the price of shoes and but she did have this thing. I mean, it was like, and you always wondered. Okay, so if I don't buy expensive shoes, then are my arches going to fall? Right. Something terrible is going to happen to me. It was this really peculiar thing. She, you know, it was like she also also told me that artichokes were an acquired taste. And I never remember her forcing me to eat anything in my entire life. Like I could go, yuck, I'm not hungry, whatever it was. And I pushed my artichoke away and she pushed it back and said, eat your artichoke. It's an acquired taste. And she's right. They're great. (laughs) So you learned it. Well, I wanted to talk about the chapter when you got, uh, you were boarding the plane and the gentleman knocked on the plane and said it was going to explode and what and this was 1999 before 911 happened it was before 911 before yeah. 911 and still uh you but know you, what he said to me actually is going to explode you'll see you'll see and so it could be future see. and at at the time i was recently separated from my first husband who is israeli and was sort of elite forces israeli and i remember going into the ladies room in the plane because i'd effectively grounded the plane for an hour and a half the moment this happened I handed my coat to a stewardess, and I said, I don't know how to tell you this, but the man in front of me just made a threat against the plane. And it was before everything. I mean, they took me into the cockpit to interview me, but I did call Sasha from the plane, who said to me, he's a crazy person, don't worry about it, they're good at dealing with things like this, because he thinks it's his job to calm me down. And I said to him, you know, it's very weird, but I don't think he's talking about this plane. 
I think he's talking about something that's going to happen in the future. And I've always believed that for one moment I had someone detained in 1999 who had something to do with. Yeah, I see. I have chills right now, Amy, because that was when I read that chapter. That's what I felt. I felt that this. You know, I was. I wanted to ask you. Do you have? You don't know if this person had anything to do with 9/11 at all, though, right? I don't know that. Although the date of it does seem to coincide with the date of a meeting that they all had, and who knows? I mean, really, who knows? I tried to report it after 9-11, and nobody was very interested in talking to me. Um, And I don't really go into it in Loose Diamonds in some way um, about the kind of guilt I felt of whether I should have checked on what happened to him or... But none of us knew anything. No, you know, I thought when I read this chapter, (laughs) um, I actually thought how brave you were to say anything. And by the way, the, the... Chapter name is Security Check. It was it's such an interesting uh, chapter in the book Loose Diamonds by Amy Efron. What I've found is how many people before 9/11, if somebody said something like that, would have even gone up to the the flight attendant and said, "Gee, I think they made a threat." I thought it was well, very I brave of you to do that. The other direction and walking away, and then I thought you can't do that, and I pretended I was a first class passenger. And I handed my, but I was incredibly careful, which I now am no longer being on your show as we can discuss this, about not wanting them to let him know who I was. When they asked me to confront him, I said, I will confront him as long as he doesn't know who I am. Because that, he scared me. He truly well, that was scared scary. me. And you wasn't that tell. odd that they asked you to confront him? I thought that was odd. Well, the whole thing was odd. It was odd that they chose. And the moment I confronted him, he started screaming and yelling, I've never seen this woman before. And the pilot took me to the... Um, checkout counter, and I thought I was, like, in trouble, right? Oh, dear, what have I done now? What have I done now? And he said, um, we know that you're telling the truth. He's told us five different stories. But then the idea that they put us all back on the plane, right? Yeah, that, that was, that, and him on the plane, although you saw, I mean, they took him off and they took his luggage off, but that was afterwards, right? That was First afterwards. They put, they the put us back on the plane, and then they came and told me the federal marshals would be here shortly. That is background. But I, I'm assuming that they detained him for 72 hours and let him go, right? right. Nobody I knew guess. anything then. And I did actually try to report it after 9-11, and no one was interested. Someone accused me of... Um, trying to satisfy my own curiosity. I said, no, you don't understand. I think that we may have had somebody in custody once who, if he wasn't one of them, may have had some knowledge of it, and maybe we should try to figure out who he is. But really, trust me, no one was interested. And I'm very glad. Or do you think, Amy, there's a possibility that they knew who he was and that they actually did have him in custody and just were protecting you no, in some way? I never way. got that. I never got that never far. got that feeling. Well, and as you say in your next chapter, you talk about being psychic. Do you still feel that you, and, and that it's a burden, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I imagine I you have these glimpses of instinct or psychicness that you probably but, you know, have a feeling for it. But I quit being psychic. That's yeah, I point. know. That's what you said. You said you yes, quit being psychic. Quit Can you actually psychic. quit? I wish there was an organization for recovering psychics. Yeah, I know. There's not a, a psychic anonymous, and we could have that 12-step program. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you could That's... always start it, Amy. You know, you could always start it. I guess right? I could immediately put up a Twitter page called Why I Quit Being Psychic. That could be my handle. 
I think that's a good one. Or, or psychics, psychics are us. Yeah, or right. psychics <laughs> no more. Or, you know, who knows? Something like that. Right. So, so now you are, but you live in uh, Los Angeles now, right? And you I have do. your kids, uh, you ha- now you have the blended family and kids come and go. And it sounds like it's just a really, it's a fun life that you have created for yourself. And you enjoy your writing and now you're doing nonfiction. So how's the reception with all these fun stories coming out besides that wonderful party last week? We've, the reviews have been very good so far. So far, it's been doing, you know, it's had some very nice press so far. But, but how about for you? I mean, how do you feel about it? Is it easier for you to write fiction and to create characters? Or did this, this just flow? This was actually hard to do because it was so personal. And because yeah. you're putting yourself out there, and there's no layer at all between you and if somebody were to attack you, they're also attacking your life. It's like being an actress. Yes. And at yeah. the same time, I think Loose Diamonds is an analogy for an actress in L.A. looking for a part or something, a permanent setting. But, but well, we're I'm all doing... loose diamonds, aren't we? I mean, I love the title because it felt kind of like, you know, it felt like Be the Star You Are is that everyone's a diamond, but somehow, you know, we're out there. We're not in a particular setting yet. We need to be polished up. We need to be, nurtured. you know, nurtured. nurtured and yeah. loved and appreciated for all our little cracked facets. Yes. Exactly. Which is exactly what your show is about. Yes, it is. It is. We're trying to empower people, you know, empower them to uh, get the shine on. But now, what about your your dreams for the future? And not just this book, but I found that so many of the chapters in the book, and again, if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Amy Efron. Her newest book is Nonfiction, Loose Diamonds, and Other Things I've Lost and Found Along the Way. I found that so many of these stories could very easily be turned into stories of fiction and have all the different layers and still be from your life because, wow, I mean, they're fascinating and they're Thank funny. You. That's really nice. I've always, I mean, musical chairs, I, I, I you know, it treads into a, a story that you could really do as a yes. fictional story and the names have all been changed and the identities have been changed, but many of the facts are what they are. Um, which, you know, I mean, I don't, everybody has problems with their exes. This one was a little off the charts. <laughs> I would say. And I wasn't actually as cheerful or funny about it as I, at the time, I have to say. In reality, at moments I, I was, but we went to a very small school and when my husband and I separated, 17 of the families in my son's class who was then in the second grade and there were 21 kids in the class also separated, and my husband began to date his way through the class. Oh, that's and really, that's hurtful. And they all got furious at me as if it was somehow my fault for turning him loose on the world because, yeah. because I actually was the one who'd asked him to leave. But at my first hint of this was when somebody slammed her, her car into the back of my little car. And I watched in the rearview mirror as she backed up and did it again. That and sounded right out of a movie, Amy. I, I know it does, doesn't it? Except it does. that it was, and at the same time, my son walks down the walkway with like his backpack that's bigger than he is. And I was working really hard at the time, so it was one of the few days that I actually picked him up. And I thought, oh, we'll go out and have a donut. It'll be a perfect day. And Ethan scrambles into the car and says, Mom, do you know that 
just slammed this her person. car ears, and I went, yeah, I, I know, honey, she's having a bad day. That part of the story is true, and we pulled out. But there were some moments during that whole period where I really wasn't, I was really madder at him. Well, I, I don't, I, would, we I don't married. blame you. I would be mad too. <laughs> and unfortunately, Amy, we are getting to the end of our time together, and this is so much fun. I want to give out your website. Uh, you want people to go to oneforthetable.com. Is that the right one? Oneforthetable.com is an online magazine I publish that specializes in food, politics, and love and has a lot of contributors. And if you ever want to send us something, I'd be thrilled. Oh, well, you know what? I'm a writer, so I would, I'd, I'd love to. I will send you something, Amy. Okay. And we'll see if it gets published. But this is a very fun book, Amy Efron, Loose Diamonds and Other Things I've Lost and Found Along the Way. You will laugh. You will see yourself in it. You may cry a little bit. And the most important thing is read the birds. Read about the aviary and her good <laughs> friend from childhood. That just touched my heart. Amy, thank you so much for being on Star Style. Be the Thank you are. It's a pleasure me. to to talk with you, and no, we'll be I'm looking so happy for you to meet you. Yes, I am too, and I will send you something. I think okay. that would be fun. Great. Thank you, Thank Amy you. Efron. And when we come back from break, we are going to go to an action-packed thriller. It is the Element series, Part One: The Awakening, with Brandon Montgomery. Don't you go away. You want to find out what's going to come up next. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations. With personalized sessions by phone or in person, you'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be the Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org. All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are the star. 
turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's Power Party Time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, hey, all you power partners, thank you so much for staying tuned to World Talk Radio and Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where the world comes to talk and to listen. Make sure to visit our archives at starstyleradio.com. Well, Brandon Montgomery discovered his calling to be a writer doing, during his collegiate career. He believes that imagination knows no limits except for those that we create by ourselves. And with imagination comes innovation, and with innovation comes the ability to absolutely change the world. Now, it's our choice, for the better or for the worst. He is writing a trilogy called The Element Series, and it is a gripping tale where good versus evil the first part is called The Awakening, and that book is available today. Hello, Brandon, and welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you. I really feel like this is a really great honor to be, be a part of this. I am very appreciative. Thank you. Thank you. What a very fascinating take you have written with The Awakening, the part one in the Element series. You uh, said that you strive to create something new and you like to view things from different perspectives and you like to push the envelope and kind of go where no one has gone before. Tell us your inspiration behind the Element series. Well, it's actually kind of an interesting story how this came to be about. I was a freshman in college, and I got done watching Iron Man 1. And I was like, this is a really good movie. But I was like, I, I was like, I think I could really do something like this. So even though, obviously, there isn't really much of Iron Man in, the, in this book, but I just felt like that really just kind of jump-started my writing. Well, you know, no, it's not Iron Man, but what I like is the the whole good versus evil and the fact of the characters, how well you've developed them, that the characters on either side, the good side and the evil side, how connected they are. So it's as if we all stem from the same, and then we make, you know, we have free will, so we choose. But let's talk about the elements and what the elements are, because... There are four elements. Um, I mean, the, well, the, the, the elements are a natural, like a diamond. So explain what that is and then how the people are, are using them. Well, the elements are pretty much, like you said, they're pretty much giant diamonds. And I have them color-coded because I figured that would be an easy way to distinguish between which one is being used. And essentially what they do is they give the character, the wielder, enhanced abilities, whether it be super speed or gift of reading somebody's mind or anything like that. And the elements aren't good or evil. They just simply enhance the natural abilities of the person that they're, that they're wielding. Right. And the, the, the good or evil comes from the person who is actually using them. And that's what I like about it is that the elements, they can be used for good or they can be used for evil. And it's interesting how you could take two people from the same family, like the first chapter of your book, and how one chooses to go for power and wealth and anything just to yield that power, whereas the other one really wants to use it as a tool for good. So this is this is where choice comes into it. I mean, the people in it have to actually have a soul, don't they? Oh, definitely. And it's just like in real life. Like, I try to make my writing relatable to real life, and we all have choices that we make. And we can either, in, in almost any situation, we have choices that we can make. And we can either choose to do good, do bad, or to be passive. 
but typically, for the most part, most people don't choose to be passive. They choose to get in the game. And so that's what these two main characters, Shishini and Shogun, they, and they were really two really opposite ends of the, of the spectrum, really. And I just really, really wanted to show that their character, like especially Shishini, that she really was a really, really caring person that really helped her character or how she became who she was. And Shogun was pretty much the exact opposite. Well, and the interesting part about it is that they are twins. Yeah, and the fact that, that you a... can take... That was, I thought that was a great twist, is that you take twins and one chooses evil and one chooses good. And the, what, another thing that I found very fascinating with these elements is you talk about, um, you know, X, his, his training ground is in the volcanoes, uh, Mount Shasta. What made you choose a Shasta? Was that do you have you spent time there? Do you know that? Because I know it's considered a very holy, mystical place, and I found it very fascinating and intriguing that these elements would have this have this uh, presence there at the base. Well, I actually came out of the place are really interesting. I was looking in California. I've actually never been there, and and I came across. I was looking for mountains in California when I was doing my research because I wanted to use places that that are more or less real, but place that we can identify with for the most part. And so then I came across that mountain, I was like, okay, I think I can go ahead and use this mountain. So I didn't know exactly how to pronounce it exactly when I first encountered it, but I thought it looked pretty cool on paper. So I decided to go with it. Oh, well, you're right. And just so you know, it really is. It, at Mount Shasta is considered a sacred mountain in California. And many people go there, you know, with crystals. And there's like communities of people that go there for meditation. And they believe that the, there is an axis there that has superpowers. I mean, people really, there's, uh, you know, there's Native American um, rituals that go on there. It's, it really was a terrific mountain to choose and a very interesting choice, especially for X. I thought that was rather fascinating. Coming up with the names of the people, did you have to do a lot of research about Japanese uh, history and ancestry and, and the whole samurai? Uh, not really. Um, I really didn't do too much on that. I, I knew Shogun was the name of like you know rulers and things like that. Yes. But the name Shishini, I came up with that. Would that was actually really interesting. I came up with that. I was playing Dynasty Warriors with a friend of mine, and. For some reason, I decided to go with Shishini Tokasan. That was the character I, I used. Uh, I played with a lot of different characters, uh, male and female, and that was the female character name that I came with. And I just really liked that name. And then when I started writing elements, I'm like, well, she's going to be, she's going to be one of the main characters because I love that name. And what about Tyrone? A very a fascinating part, I thought, is that even with your your team that's working under Socrates, another good choice for a leader, uh, your team that's working under Socrates, even though they are quote unquote, you know, the wanting to do good, they have elements of them that could easily go bad. And again, that showed me the human nature of everyone. Definitely. That's one of the things that, as, as, as I write my stories, I wanted all my characters to have identifi- identifi- identifiable flaws. And it was, I thought it was pretty easy to pinpoint each of their flaws, and that makes sense to me. I think that a character really can be defined by their limitations, and the limitation in this case is their flaws. And Well, and every person has flaws, and, and that's what makes the story very relatable, because if they'd all been superheroes then we couldn't re- relate as humans. 
but you know, because that they, they actually have flaws as human failings. Like when Mercedes walks in on Tyrone and Kate, what comes over her is a human, a human feeling of sadness and jealousy. It has nothing to do with superpowers. Exactly, exactly. And, and I just want to show that was really, really hurtful to her and for, you know, anybody who's, can, not anybody that's happened, well, anybody that's happened to can definitely relate to that. Oh, yes, and I think everybody would like to uh, release the wolves, you know? (laughs) (laughs) If it happened to them, right? Oh, definitely, or at least, you know, at least be out of the situation as quick as possible. So however that turns out to be, for her it happened to be wolves in this particular case. So what? So we we have The Awakening, which is part one. Now, the whole thing is a trilogy. So tell us, or can you tell us a little bit, what people are going to be able to expect in – Part two and part three. Well, I've pretty much written them, and in part two, well, as a well, as a trilogy, since I wanted to introduce all the characters in book one, I felt like I was actually, for the most part, kind of limited in book one to the sense that I want everybody to get to know the characters, and that's why, like in the beginning, I had each chapter have the characters' names because as I was writing it, I wanted each character to have what's considered an act one. And that way, so you can really understand and feel them, and really just get to know them. And then when part two comes in. Pretty much since all the introductions are done, I don't have to do that anymore. I can take what I already have and basically run with it. And so part two, you can all the character development is basically done as far as, well, not development. But I mean, the introductions are done, so you're going to see a lot of action. And then I really, really went into Sheenie's story on her background and how you know she's going to try to deal with some of her issues. And and also this is going to be a lot of action and a lot of uh, unexpected twists. And there's going to be a new character. She's a surprise. And so it's just... Oh. I yeah. like it. It's, it's a she, another she. We, I like these strong female characters. That's well, a good idea. <laughs> well, one of the things that I've realized is from watching various different things is I always wanted to have strong female characters. And because I think that a lot of times that women do not get their stronger roles in a lot of books that I've read and a lot of shows that I've seen. Like there are some, but I feel like it's not as prominent as strong male characters. So I really wanted to be sure to have a strong female presence in the series. And you started writing, as you said, in college, even though you were majoring in other things, and now you want to go back to school and get an MBA and in the in creative writing and all of all of this. Did you feel that it was just something that is really calling to you to be a writer? I mean, you, did these stories are stories just like bubbling up within you? Because I know that you encourage other writers, anybody who's trying to write, your message to them is just sit down and write, right? Just do it. Pretty much, I, I want people to understand that their biggest that their biggest enemy really is themselves. And cause I know some people who are writing, and I'm like, you know, just sit down and do it. I'm like, don't worry about it being correct the first time. You can always go back and you can always go back and correct it. And I'm currently working on my sixth book actually, and it's actually kind of interesting. Like some of these ideas just pop in my head, and for the most part, I'm like, okay, well, I think I can I think I can make a book out of that. So. That's why I'm currently working on my six, and I absolutely like, I absolutely love stories and narrative, because it just, because to me, it relates real life. And if we can see something from a different perspective, or even if we're reading something, we'll say, man, I just learned something about myself, because if I was in that situation, I would have done this, or I would have done that. And it's like, well, now, because I read this, I know myself better. And I think that stories really give us that opportunity. So I definitely want, looking forward to doing this more in the future. 
We are talking with author Brandon Montgomery. He has written a series of books called The Element Series, and today we're talking about Part 1, The Awakening. And the element are these uh, diamond-shaped elements from the earth that give people superpowers, and they, that can be used for good or bad. And, of course, we have a choice. I am um, fascinated by this story, Brandon, and I would like you to tell us a little bit about how you grew up. Did you love reading then? Did you love writing? What kind of books were you reading? What inspired you to want to write these kind of uh, works of fiction, yet with a moral undertone to them? Well, it's actually a really interesting combination of things. Um, when I... Um when I was growing up in elementary and in middle school, believe it or not, I actually did not enjoy um, sorry, I did not enjoy reading because typically a lot of stuff that I read it just did not hold my attention. I would start reading it and I would fall asleep, or I just wouldn't finish it because I'm like, this is really isn't doing it for me. Well, I think a lot of kids have that uh, that experience until you find something that turns you on. You find a topic that really gets you. Was it video games for you then? What what was it? What was your turning point? My turning point actually was my friend Namdi. He uh, he 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 pointed me to a couple of books, and the first one was The Legend of Dreads by R. A. Salvatore, and he also told me to read The Nine Angel Trilogy by Brent Weeks. And and then once I started reading those books, I'm like, okay, I finally have found books that I thoroughly enjoy. And those books, I can sit up and read them in a couple. I read one in three days. I read some in a week. So so the main thing I'll tell anybody who wants to get into reading, or even writing, even since reading is a big part of it. Once you find the books that you really like, you will definitely enjoy reading. It's just that you just have to find them. Yes, and I think you also have to find, and not even just the books, I think you have to find a topic of what you're fascinated with, whether it's science fiction or it is space or it's tractors or, you know, whatever it is. When you find a genre that you like, that's where you're going to go. Do you see yourself writing non, I mean, of uh, fiction and ever writing nonfiction? I'm sure as a writer you're probably not putting limits, but it seems that fiction is where you really are um, a master and you really enjoy that. I really definitely enjoy fiction, and the reason being is because I feel like I really don't have any limitations. I don't necessarily have to tell the truth, you know. So I have plenty of uh, options on where I want to take a story. I don't have to just be limited to what actually happened. I yeah, that is a, that's a really a good point. And actually, you can use the truth and stretch it and massage it and, and cover it up and color it. Well, let's also give out your website. This is Brandon Montgomery. His book is The Element Series Part 1. The first book in the series is called The Awakening. And the website where you can find out all the different things that he is doing is N as in Nancy, G as in ghost, writings, with an S, dot com, ngwritings.com. That is the website you want to uh, us to give out. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay, because that way you can read what other things that he's coming. So um, for your next your next book, After the Awakening, what is the title? Are you allowed to say the title? Oh, of course. Yeah, it's, it's mine. So. <laughs> okay. Let's see, part two is called, well, it's the Element Series Part Two, Betrayal. And, well, as the title, that's the title pretty much says, there's definitely going to be some people being betrayed. Betrayed. And, and then part three is called Redemption. Ah, I like it. So we have Awakening, Betrayal, and Redemption. Now, if that doesn't sound like real life, I don't know what does, actually. It's, we all have to wake up, right, each day anew, and no matter... We're never going to get out of this world alive or unscathed. So I think that we're always good. There's always going to be some betrayals that are going to break our hearts. 
And, but if we can get to redemption, that's where we want to be. Well, I, wrap it up for us, Brandon, of what your, your goal for the readers is. What would you like them to take away from the Elements series? Hmm, that's a very good question. Um, I would say no limitations. That would definitely be the big, my biggest message, is understand that there are no limitations. And you can do anything that you set your mind to. And you definitely enjoy things as long as you open your, open your eyes up, open your horizons, and try to be as open as you can about various different things. And you'll find that there are definitely a lot of things out there you can enjoy. And hopefully, like, you know, if you pick up my book, that you'll just read right through it. Cause I, my main goal with this was to, at, at the beginning of Chapter 1, was to really grab, grab you, have your attention, and then not let go. And I loved I, I, that chapter one did do that. And I would also say that the other message of uh, Brandon's book is we all have superpowers and only we can determine how we use them for good or for evil. Your choice. So Brandon Montgomery, the Element Series Part One, The Awakening. It is an honor. Thank you so much for being on Star Style. Be the star you are. Really appreciate it. Look forward to your next books and then you can come back again. That would be great. Thank you for having me so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Brandon. The Awakening, the Element Series, Part 1. Brandon Montgomery, go to nswritings.com. And thank all of you for being terrific listeners and tuning in here every week at Star Style, Be the Star You Are on World Talk Radio. I am Cynthia Bryan. I hope you go out in the day. Make good choices. And remember, be the star you are. We'll play next week. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for being part of our star galaxy on today's episode of Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We hope you've enjoyed the commentary and are motivated to dream big, overcome obstacles, and realize your potential. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. Join our power party next week right here on World Talk Radio as Cynthia Bryan, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers of the planet pump up the energy with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until then... Be the star you are. You.